0: Wait a second, this isn't your grandma's cancer show. Not your grandma's cancer show. I'm Tatum Duroc and today we're talking about exercise after cancer and I know for some of us exercise might have already been a really massive part of our life and this time can be really confronting, maybe wanting to get back to it, maybe feeling that we can't get back to it but for others of us who have maybe avoided exercise like the plague, <laughs> who have maybe never run a marathon in our lives, and now feeling like, what, do I have to run a marathon now? So whether or not you were a exercising fiend, or someone like me that uh, was picked last in gym class, this is a really fun episode because I've got two amazing guests with me. I've got Carolyn Garrett and Gemma Seeger, who are both personal trainers with cancer expertise and their own story to share. So And I've actually got Carolyn sitting right here beside me in the studio, which is really fun. Welcome. Thank you, Tatum. So can you tell me what was happening in your life when you were diagnosed, exercise-wise?
1: Exercise-wise, I was already a cancer specialist personal trainer. Uh, I was fit. uh, I was strong. And when I was diagnosed, it was the very start of lockdown. So I was already in the trade, I already I had studied and written about cancer prehab, I had studied and written <sighs> about, I know, and then it hit. Uh, so for me, it was a very unusual trajectory, yeah. you know, there's quite a lot of, I've come across several people whose uh, exercise and rehab prompted, yeah, after cancer prompted doing more but for me it was completely the reverse.
0: Yeah. So you already knew yeah. a huge amount. Did you feel there was sort of an extra pressure on you? No. that's
1: good. Um, I always imagined, I think it was, so I did a little bit of uh, reading before I came and I think it was Gemma who said she didn't imagine being one of the one in two. I did. Mm-hmm. So my dad had prostate cancer. My mum had breast cancer. Um, I knew the statistics. Uh, I knew as a woman who was... So I, <laughs> I'm i slightly over the age for Shine at diagnosis. But uh, I knew that at my age, with my long-standing love of gin, having not had children, uh, having always been curvy... <laughs> I've always been active, but always been curvy... I knew I fitted the bill. As somebody who would get breast cancer, I imagined I'd be a bit older, but still I knew I fitted the stereotype, if you like. So, yeah, for me, I was very fit, very active, but it meant that I went into this really knowledgeable, Mm. so I was able... I knew things that I could do to manage my own levels of anxiety and emotional stuff while I was waiting for treatment. Um, I was really lucky. A lot of people talk about gratitude during cancer which can sound really cheesy but I was lucky
0: (laughs) and so for you was there a sense of loss you know as you were going through treatment of kind of the strength and vitality Mm. that had come so easily before um did you ever wonder, am I going to ever get that back?
1: I didn't. So again, in terms of luck and gratitude, my cancer was found quite accidentally. I thought I'd sprained a pectoral muscle, uh, boxing using weights. <laughs> and it wasn't that, but my cancer was diagnosed really early. I was stage one. Uh, I opted to have a mastectomy because my cancer was very near my heart and I didn't want radiotherapy. And I didn't need chemotherapy because it was stage one. It's so early. So in terms of loss and being impacted, I was impacted by surgery and I've been impacted ever since by hormones, by tamoxifen. My, I didn't doubt for a minute I'd get back, to be truthful. In fact, I've been quite bloody minded. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about this bloody mindedness. Well, for me... Uh, and bear in mind, I have been working with people with cancer for a decade as a personal trainer for a decade. And um, for me, I didn't want, I was aware of that sense of loss of physicality. Uh, it's too important to me. I've met and I deeply respect so many people who aren't particularly interested in being active, it's just not their thing. Whereas for me, I have been, I've always been a runner. I've always been outdoorsy. As I say, I've never been a gym bunny or uh, I've certainly never had to worry about being underweight, shall we say. Uh, But uh, I wanted to be strong and I didn't want to have to do anything differently simply because I've had breast surgery and simply because I'm rampagingly menopausal. So (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember anything. Uh, And it's certainly affected affected my confidence. I'm willing to fess up to that. You know, there's a lot of stuff around self-image and self-confidence. And I think a lot of people's self-confidence was affected by the pandemic and how you feel walking into a room. Um, I'm lucky in that my self-image has normally been quite, I was going to say strong, but actually ambivalent. (laughs) I think I'm good enough, you know. Uh, I don't tend to wear a prosthesis. Um, I tend to go around as a uni-boober, and most of the time I feel okay about that. It shakes a little, and I think that's menopause. (laughs) You're nodding. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh, yes, and and Gemma's got. That. I got plunged into that with no warning <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, but it's it's to be truthful in terms of loss and fear and reticence for me personally it's been much more around menopause and hormones than around cancer and surgery
0: interesting so how do you feel do you feel that exercise has helped you then manage some of those
1: oh god yes yeah (laughs) and the biggie for me and it's certainly translated into what I do it'd be interesting to hear what Gemma says I am so much more focused on strength training these days above cardio above flexibility to a degree although I know we need flexibility in order to be strong What I do for myself and what I do with my clients is much more about lifting weights, lifting heavier weights. Um, That's been the the biggie. And so therefore my sense of physical strength is better and it's little, little details in the day. I went on holiday a few weeks ago and my ability to lift the big bag Mm. up into the Uber is just, it's way more than it was. Most definitely. So you've written a book. Yeah
0: called getting your oomph back
1: (laughs) (laughs) why did you call it oomph so i called my business oomph uh, years ago and i wanted it to be something that was about return about recovery about restoring something uh, and actually, my partner endlessly takes the Mickey out of my accent, and I wanted it to be something that sounded comically northern <laughs> <laughs> excellent <laughs> so oomph. uh it just is, and uh the book started so I've worked with the Maggie centers uh I don't know how much crossover there is between Shine and the Maggie Centers, but they're brilliant. Mm-hmm. I've worked with Maggie's for a long time and I started doing talks for them and because I'm old school I would do a handout (laughs) (laughs) and people would ask me for a sheet and they'd ask me particularly if we'd done workout sessions or whatever they'd ask me for something on paper that was what we'd done and that I just ended up with a few of them and I've always loved writing so those sheets became a blog and the blog became a book. And I'd written the book before my own diagnosis. Well, I thought I'd finish it, actually. Lockdown, it all got very exciting and everybody thought they'd be able to uh, do their pet projects. Yeah. I was going to finish my book. I had cancer instead. It derails all those plans, Oh, it, it? did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it meant that my voice felt different, to be truthful uh so i re i put in some stuff in the book about my own experiences and i rewrote bits of it frankly because i am now writing about us not you yes us not we you know we not them so uh it changed a little bit but uh again the sequence isn't what people expect but uh,
0: Yeah, it's really, really fascinating. And what you were saying about like a handout, I was doing a training recently in person, where the tables were getting together to talk. And I was like, Oh, it's like breakout rooms but in person <laughs> and you're like wow yeah the pandemic has really affected yeah, us yeah um but it's also brought together people that were maybe a bit more isolated that didn't have yeah. access so what's like maybe some of the um things that you did to kind of bring people together um did you develop online programs yeah.
1: I was telling Gemma earlier about this thing that I started called the Big Strong Lasses. And actually, that name, again, it's rather northern-sounding. It was a throwaway remark that I made once. Uh, Online Zoom-based weight training for women with breast cancer. Uh, We have some women doing it that are stage four, which I think is wonderful, Uh, weekly weekly workout on zoom which i then record and send back to them for them to repeat Uh, and the biggie hasn't necessarily been about the strength training itself lots of people know that they would benefit from strength training it's really important part of cancer rehab but getting over that sense of isolation so i leave everybody's microphones on so there's loads of chit chat it's lovely delightful thing to be part of um And we talk and we share wisdom. When I get a minute, because I know I'm focusing so much on breast cancer, I intend to do one for men. I intend to do something for people with all cancers. Uh, The breast cancer thing is partly because it was part of my own uh, rehab, but also because there's specific functional things around the surgery to the lymphatic system that just needs a bit of focus. We also did uh, online sessions through Maggie's. Um, several of the charities did online sessions.
0: Because I think that's the thing. And like so I have to admit, I'm not a massive uh, traditional kind of what we think of as exercise person. <laughs> um, I'm highly uncoordinated. Um, I flail forward. And that's my version of running, and I'm sticking to it. Um, People laugh if I run for a bus. Um, I am a yoga teacher, so Mm. I do like um, activity. I love dancing and things like that. Like, you know, I like moving my body, but in terms of kind of a structured or a coordinated way of doing it, um, a a bit less so. And I remember being in that pit of chronic fatigue mm. and feeling that i was failing so badly because other people were able to do mm. so much more during that time um and i'd love to bring gemma into the conversation here um gemma how has it been hearing from carolyn
2: well, i feel like um Carolyn's story is, feels almost like the opposite of mine. Um, I was I was the person who was picked last in gym at school. I got sent to the headmistress once for um, swearing at a PE teacher because she tried to make me play rounders. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I always was that person. Right up until my thirties, when um, I I started to get into things. I started playing roller derby, so which is a contact sport on roller skates. Mm. Look it up a long story otherwise um
0: and, th- and that's the thing what we you know carolyn was mentioning was that community and what i hear about roller derby it is yeah. it, like that's the thing is that even if you're not into something for the exercise you know for that kind of pure i'm gonna do this so much of exercise is about coming together with other mm, people yeah. for for yeah. some of us
2: yes. But, and I was very into weight training. I did run. I've never been fast, but uh I, I did get out and run. I did a few half marathons and things. Um, but I was also very into weight training, uh squats and deadlifts. I had like a hundred and twenty kilo deadlift that I was very proud of. Wow. <laughs> um and then um and then I trained as a personal trainer kind of then later in life when I, I just kind of I just found this like love for it outside of the idea of it always has to be some kind of punishment for weight Mm. loss or something Mm. and I just wanted to help other people find that Uh, and then lockdown happened and I have multiple myeloma which is a blood cancer which is most common in men over 65 so at 40 I was obviously a prime target for that. Um, but how we discovered it is I was doing squats with some weights at home over lockdown and injured my back. Um, and I guess similar to you, I thought, oh, I just injured myself exercising Mm -hmm. and it would pass. So maybe that's a bit is a bit similar. Um, but it didn't pass. And after a, a long fight and a long story, which we don't need to go into now, eventually I had an MRI and it turned out I had a collapsed vertebrae in my spine. Um So that was all a bit dramatic, but that meant that kind of running and exercise and a lot of what I'd been doing over lockdown was just immediately taken away from me completely because I could barely walk at some points. And then obviously the advice was not to, you've got a fractured vertebrae and they didn't know how stable it was. Um, And so I had steroids and treatment for that. And as the pain went away, I just didn't know what I was allowed to do. Um, And you don't get, advice very few people get advice on what exercise they could do as during their cancer treatment Uh, especially if you then have complications um like spinal issues and and like i had um or if it's a um a blood cancer or something that might a metastatic cancer that might affect your bones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that, and so then it was later on. It was after that because I was so frustrated about not being able to get any advice on what I what I could do um, that I then went on and did my cancer exercise specialist qualification. So um, I had a stem cell transplant oh. at Christmas. 21 so um it took me a lot longer to recover from that than i thought um and i do think you know more guidance on exercise and things would just be so helpful Mm -hmm. for all of that so yeah my story is almost the opposite like i never thought this was going to happen and then it did so then i went into it so
0: and you know kind of talking about you know you mentioned sort of prehab like both of you were in really strong places going into treatment um and for you Gemma like then like a collapsed vertebrae there was such that's such a big difference to then not be able to move anywhere Mm -hmm. near the same amount as you were before how did that how did that make you feel
2: I mean I'm fairly certain that my um core muscles work. holding my entire body up for some of the time when my spine wasn't working. So I think going in from a place of um, fitness was good for me. That's obviously not something you get a choice about where you start from when you get a cancer diagnosis. You can't go back in time and change that. But um, I think that there is a lot you can still do once you get that cancer diagnosis. It's just about kind of listening to your body but that kind of it, it's it, it was really difficult for me um to just adapt the idea of not being able to do anything after I had discovered I discovered exercise it was great right yeah. and that was like and a, a real of a sudden, you were a bit like yeah who am I now <laughs>
0: yeah a real identity in that and community as mm-hmm. well so there's so much wrapped up in... Yeah,
2: especially I mean roller derby. I was part of a team. Um, it was all very and, all, and I mean contact sports are out apparently. <laughs> so <laughs> even the cancer exercise specialist course agrees with that.
0: <laughs> was there anything when you were doing uh, the cancer specialism course um, that you found surprising?
2: I think one of the biggest surprises for me was that cancer um, exercise during chemotherapy can actually improve the um efficacy i don't know mm. i was going to say that word wrong but i managed it you did of, <laughs> of the treatment uh i kind of knew that it would probably i knew it could help with fatigue and you know muscle loss weight loss or gain all those kind of things self image mental health depression blah, blah, blah. but When I found out that it could actually make chemotherapy more effective, that's that's astonishing. So I I think there's, um, yeah, increasing amounts of research. I think into that because there's not been a lot of research. But that is
1: fascinating. So I've been in the game for a really long time. I've been doing this for ten years. And when I was first qualified, it was really, really unusual for anybody to be advised to exercise during treatment. Uh, and there was the, the evidence that has emerged in the past few years has been so strong and increasingly focused on what was previously believed to be too risky. There was a really lovely study done, I think it was in Holland, and it was an exercise bike in the chemo suite. And people were cycling as they were having their infusions. And exactly as Gemma said, the drugs work better. Really? Yeah, it's bonkers. Yeah, I saw that study. <laughs> we we can just we can absorb them. Our bodies can use the stuff in the drug. They can. Our bodies can use it more wow. if we're if we're metabolizing them better.
0: You know, I was thinking as you were talking about your core muscles kind of holding up your spine, um, it, slightly differently for me. I think because I'd had abdominal surgery, I think that my core muscles had sort of gone on holiday. (laughs) They were like, oh, no, like um, the landscape's changed here and we're out, peace out. And so everything had gone into my spine. And so, you know, then I had multiple prolapsed discs and, you know, which was incredibly painful. And then because, you know, as we're all in this position, everyone was rather concerned in case the cancer had gone into my spine. So you know, it was an awful lot of pain for something that is quite ordinary, but it isn't ordinary when you've just had cancer. And you think, wow, like, if someone had said, oh, you've just had abdominal surgery, actually, you know, like, it it would be really interesting for you to kind of maybe, you know, think about what you could do to build up some strength. I think that would have been really... Um, useful information you think of all the things afterwards that can maybe be offset by a little bit more guidance here and there
2: yeah I agree and it was something that I tried to really seek out as well because I think mostly they're not used to dealing with um, people my age, people who are active um, in either orthopaedics or in the um, haematology which is where my um, treatment takes place um so when I asked my orthopedic surgeon if I could run again, <laughs> know, you'd, you'd think I'd, you'd, I'd asked if I could fly. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, uh.
0: <laughs> so I did see from stalking your Instagram um, that you have been running. And what yes, have you just done recently? Don't tell my orthopedic surgeon.
2: <laughs> His actual answer to that was... Uh, maybe slowly on a treadmill, from which I heard good trainers and Couch to 5K. Mm. But I did, I did finish the Run Norwich 10K last summer. That's brilliant! I've done it every year since it launched, and I was just that stubbornness, mm. <laughs> bloody mindedness. Yeah. I was like, "There's no way cancer is ruining my Run Norwich streak." I did the uh, virtual version over lockdown, <laughs> like. And that was after I'd already hurt my back. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, there's no way it's stopping me doing it. So, yes, I did. I was considerably slower than I used to do it, um, but also a lot faster than I thought I would be. There was a two-hour cutoff, which I was worried I might not make. But actually, I got round in just, it was like 92 minutes or something. Yeah. So oh, um, it was hard (laughs) really really hard i really liked how
0: open you were about that like in the picture you can see how chuffed you are Mm. and like you know i was beaming just looking at it (laughs) um but also then reading yeah it was hard like that's not necessarily i sort of imagine that people that can run because it is such an alien concept to me um you know just kind of
1: flow but actually No. (laughs) no (laughs)
2: <laughs> Running's awful.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there are ways that you Explain can make this to me. Okay, so there are ways that you can make running feel more manageable and there's a lot about confidence. People are, have this idea that running is risky and it's really interesting orthopedic surgeons physiotherapists often people that are that have you know that have clinical roles they will uh, they will advise against running because of the level of impact. But because of the level of impact, it's actually really helpful. Um, so it, it's interesting listening to what Gemma was saying because it's about managing risk and managing mm-hmm. your own risk. Um, and for many people, many people don't want to run, which is fine, but it is a really, really good form of exercise if you want to try it. But you can make running feel much pl- more pleasant um, and you can slow down. There's no hurry. One of the biggies for me has been to not beat myself up about speed. I've been running for a long time. I, again, am slower than I was. Uh, one of the things I feared losing was my stamina. Mm. And I ran the virtual London Marathon last autumn. And I was so, and I really, I didn't, I didn't tell anybody about it for ages because I kind of thought, I'm not going, I just haven't got the energy. But you're allowed to slow down. <laughs> You're allowed to walk. It doesn't have to be this massive sprint. Pretty. I've known people that are really good club runners. I've known people that have won races that I've been in and they beat themselves up. People are very, very self-critical about their running or they say, I'm not a runner, I just jog or mm. whatever. People criticise themselves and it's such a shame because it is perfectly possible to... Turn the cameras outwards and look at the birds and look at the trees and smell and use your senses and slow it down so that you can enjoy it. Please. Well, that's,
2: <laughs> I, that's, I think, when people say, Oh, I can't run, you think,
1: Of course you can.
2: Of <laughs> course you can. <laughs> what they mean is, Then they're, they're not going to keep up with Mo Farah. Mm. You go, Well, you don't have to. You can, you can do what you like. There's no, you know. Basically, if you're not going to come first, why worry about it? Like, Just (laughs) take your time, uh, enjoy it. I mean, I've always found, no matter how slow I go with running, I have to, I focus very strongly on running. So um, I'm thinking about my breathing, I'm thinking, you know, I'm focused, which is one of the reasons I found it quite meditative during during lockdown before, (laughs) before I injured myself, before my diagnosis. Um, because it, all I could think about was running while I was doing it or where I was going or whatever. I couldn't think about pandemics or mm. or, or where money was coming from and <laughs> those kind of things. So I found it, yeah, quite calming. And, I, I, yeah, I think it's one of those things that people do. They think that, um, oh, I, you know, I, I can't run because it's, it's – uh, you have to go fast and you go <laughs> – no, you don't. You just have to put your trainers on and move one foot in front of the other, and uh, you don't have to go a specific distance. You don't have to go a specific speed. You still get if you do a race, you still get a medal and a banana at the end, and that's <laughs> that's, all we, that's that's the only reason I do it.
0: Yeah, I I say something similar when I'm teaching yoga in that like getting into the pose that there is no reward there's no prize like poses come and go right like throughout the course of your life there might be days that you can do one thing and it might not come back again for a little while and then one day it will and um but like can you be in your body that day and make that decision that feels like the right nourishing decision for you and to me that's that's where well, that's where the good stuff is because then you can tune in at other times and go mm, do i like this you know is this good for me and you know if you're running and you're having kind of an experience that you're like yes this is i mean Kainwen um from Shine who's been on this podcast many times you know she uses it as her meditation and she struggled when she um cuz she had been quite a fast runner prior mm-hmm. Um, And not getting those times actually was quite hard. But then she switched into triathlons because it was a little bit different. Mm. So it was kind of like not a direct parallel anymore. Um, And so I'm imagining that you've both seen people like that, that are kind of like, okay, this is what I used to do. But now I want to get really good at something a little bit like change it up post-cancer what would you recommend to somebody i'll put this out to both of you
2: um i always i just always tell people to focus on what they can do rather than what they can't do so um for me personally for example um i've got i have got a lot more into yoga since my diagnosis um it's that focus on what i can do that's important so um my flexibility has improved massively because obviously with spinal issues, um, you know, there was a point when I couldn't even get my knees to my chest when they like and you're like, that's supposed to be so easy. Um, So, yeah, I think that that's that's the important thing to do is not to think about all the things that you can't do. Just think about what you can do. Uh, If it's if today all you can manage is a walk to the end of the road, Mm. then that's fine. Walk to the end of the road. And if you get there and think you can do a bit more, Walk back again and keep walking up and down, so you're not too far from home. I think that that's that's the important thing to focus on. Just those little things that can keep you keep you keep you moving,
1: and yeah, agree more. it doesn't
2: have to be yeah. exercise,
1: yeah. right? Yeah. So I was going to come in with do what you love, which is a step on, and it can be dancing. Go to Zumba. wriggly bum (laughs) uh you know stuff that is moving it to be honest when we've talked about exercise and we focus very much on sport or running or whatever it can be gardening it can be stuff it just needs to be movement uh it can be movement that's in really small there's this lovely term exercise snacks Mm. rather than needing a meal little and often you know it's and it can sound a little bit trite you know uh do some squats while the kettle's boiling, stand on one leg while you're brushing your teeth. Uh, it can sound quite simplified. But you, if for those who have either physical or mental barriers about the idea of putting on trainers, there's loads yeah. of other ways that we can crack this nut. We need to move. We need to be moving and we need to be using our muscles, but we can move in so many different ways.
0: Yeah, I mean, I find scrubbing the bath really bloody exhausting. And you were talking oh, I about do that. <laughs> You you
2: you have to be a better choice than cleaning the
0: bar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean there's no joy in that. But um you have an expression getting out of puff. Yeah. And I was like, I'm actually out of puff. Like it's physically hard and I realized how hard it was when afterwards I went and laid down on the floor. and in the hallway exhausted before the next thing Mm. and I'm like okay like I feel like I can call that exercise yeah Yeah.
1: it's raising the heart rate all right I'm
0: asking two specialists I can do this I can
1: yeah so if I don't like something and
0: when I do (laughs) sorry
2: you want exhausting change a king size duvet that'll Yeah.
0: (laughs) That'll yeah okay so anything that you're doing that you're getting and like how out of breath or how out of puff are you talking like what what's your just dis- what to tell me
1: about that? So there's a whole range of stuff. Originally the idea was particularly around cancer related fatigue. There was for a long time an idea that the uh, best place to be looking in terms of exercise was the kind of exercise where you're a bit warm and your breathing changes. So Mm -hmm. what would be classically thought of as moderate exercise, you can still talk. There's an idea that you're out of puff such that you can still talk in sentences, but you wouldn't be able to sing. Okay. Which is quite specific. Yeah. or that you might take your Cardi off. Okay. <laughs>
0: you know. I mean, for us with hot flushes, <laughs> yeah, the I know. Cardi- that's hard to measure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's also getting out of puff. I've definitely, you know, I'm like, I swear, that's got to be like using some calories, just being hot and cold all the bloody time.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so speaking, so that's around. Sorry, that's around cardiac cardiovascular exercise. Okay, and that's around how we breathe and. When people are thinking, I don't know if Gemma's found the same, when people are thinking about exercising after a cancer diagnosis, they will very frequently turn their minds to walking. The end, Walking to the end of the road is a classic, being able to post a letter. And what they often don't see is the need for us to use our muscles. And that is a little bit more difficult to fit into everyday life. But we do need, I know you want to talk a, a little while about Uh, the benefits of exercise after cancer. There's something very, very specific about how we use our muscles and we need to be doing things that will tire the muscles out. So that that point where your brain gets a message that either I want to put that down now Mm. or I want to sit down now, we need that. Yeah, I mean, if, you know... And did anybody tell you that when you were diagnosed?
0: I had someone, um, I had an oncologist who had trained in Eastern medicine say something quite interesting um that was if you increase how much exercise from where you were before to to afterwards that that did um have an effect but i don't know where she got those stats from so that was you know obviously this is like relayed information um and i remember at the time being like oh bloody hell i just done my yoga teacher training I was like, I was in a pretty good place Mm. and I was like, that actually made me feel a bit more depressed because I was like, I'm so tired.
2: You think I can't increase that.
0: Oh God. And so it's that, you know, that thing of like, how, figuring out what motivates you because Mm. some people are really motivated by a stat. They're like, oh, love that, bit of logic putting that into thing and then someone else will take that same thing and be like oh, it's a stick I can beat myself yeah. with you know and yeah. I'm going to shud on myself and I'm not being a good cancer patient because I'm now not exercising more than I did before and so I I found that quite challenging um, if having it, that if it helps I
1: have never heard that slant on the statistics as far as I know you disregard what happened before. Okay. And to the best of my knowledge, and I have an exceptionally menopausal brain and really <laughs> nearly swollen, nearly rubbish memory, but I've never seen that. I've only seen exactly the opposite, where regardless of what we were doing before diagnosis, it's almost like a clean slate. Our levels of activity, our levels of muscle building to some degrees our levels of uh keeping our body fat down whole other podcast on that okay mm, that's not Jesus. There.
2: That's not yeah. there. that was yeah. especially if anyone's had steroids as yeah. part of their I know. yeah
1: there, there's an awful lot here but to the best of my knowledge in terms of specifically exercise after a diagnosis we have a clean slate and it's what we do from there on yeah
2: i agree At whatever point you are mm. in your journey anything is better than nothing yeah Uh, at any point and I I think one of the things people do as well is think they have to start an exercise program whereas actually a lot of it is about keeping moving walking little 10 minutes those exercise snacks you were talking about just anything is better than nothing Um, and if you you can't think you're going to do some kind of progressive program particularly while you're in treatment because you I mean, we know you have no idea how you're going to feel when you yeah. wake up. Thing. You know, some days there are days when someone could be waving a 50 pound note at you from across the room yep. and you're like, no, I'm good, thanks.
0: Yeah. I was like 50 pounds. I was like 50 million. I probably like on my on my fatigue days, I wouldn't have made it over.
1: And if you think plenty of people end up with um, mobility problems, either during treatment or as a result of treatment. So, you know, you can exercise in a chair. Mm. You can. there's a lot that we can do. We can move more in a chair, yeah. uh, whether that's wheelchair or furniture. There is such a range of things we can do. Um, it doesn't have to be, like Gemma says, it doesn't have to be sign up for a training programme right. and it definitely doesn't have to be go for a run. Because, yeah, I mean,
0: sometimes when you're really, really, really tired, like, actually what you need is to rest Mm -hmm. and then do some exercise. Like, I think that's also, you know, um, I think sometimes uh, some of us deplete ourselves or the pressure of it makes us tired before we've even gotten there. Um, And if there's other overthinkers like me. And sometimes, like, so for me, I started with let's get a really good rest And then, you know, when I felt like that spurt of energy, have something already there. So, like, plan for a spurt of energy. Mm. What might I like to do next? And for me, it was a little bit of novelty. And I saw in your book someone did croquet. And I was like, yeah, I'd probably give that a shot just because I've never
1: done it. It sounds like something out of Alice in
0: Wonderland, right? Um,
1: I think of her as an Edwardian lady, in you know, in a long white (laughs) dress. She's a demon though. I mean this you know it's it's a gentle sport but she's winning trophies. She's you know wiping people out of the out of her league. I've done her a conditioning strength and conditioning program around how she swings her mallet.
0: I mean, I love this. I love making like exercise, yoga, relaxation as unique as you are. Mm. Like, and I think that's the thing is it's understanding what motivates you and like being really kind, like really, really kind to yourself about what you need. I think the best
2: advice I had when I was recovering from my stem cell transplant, which just as an aside, I was totally when I went into hospital for my transplant, I was like, Okay, I'm going to make sure I get 10 minutes of activity at least in every day. I had this little, like, snackets of Tai Chi things that I was definitely going to do every day. Oh, no, I did not. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I had to have a sit down after having a shower. I was, like, mm. so completely wiped. But you have to accept that and go with it. That's that's what I'm saying. You have to listen to your body. You can't force yourself to do... Um, something that you're just not up to. But the best advice I have was to do a bit more on the days you think you can't (laughs) and a bit less on the days you think you can. So actually waiting for that energy spurt Turned out to, to me to be quite a bad idea because I'd get the energy spurt and then I'd be like, right. Hmm. <laughs> Let's do all the things. Um, and then I would spend the next three days asleep. Yeah, Whereas yeah. if I if I if I did a little bit less then, then I could balance it out a little bit more over time. So you can use that energy spurt, but don't go for a run, go for a walk. Don't do an hour in the gym, do 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and then maybe you'll be able to get yourself out there to do that again tomorrow mm. rather than having to spend the rest of the week asleep.
1: I think mm. especially those that are on steroids, that is cracking advice because yeah, on definitely. steroids you would happily overtrain. i <laughs> <Yes>. seen it. <laughs> so
0: if someone's listening to this and they're thinking yeah, both of you are just full of so much information and they want to find you, they want to read your book, Carolyn, where can they find you? Where can they get your book? Getting your
1: oomph back. <laughs> uh The book is available everywhere, globally, actually, uh, mostly online. Some bookshops have it, but you can find it online. You can find it on Amazon. Uh, I have a really unusually spelt name. And if you actually, if you Google Carolyn and umph, you find me and you find there's some films on YouTube that are specifically around cancer rehab. Uh, You can find all sorts of stuff and you can find my book.
0: Lovely. Thank you so much. (laughs) And Gemma, where can we find you?
2: Uh The best place to find me now is on Instagram. I'm just Gemma Seager, um uh, or Lipstick Lettuce Lycra should find me if you search that on Instagram <laughs> as well, which was my my fitness blog that I set up about about 10 years ago before any of this happened. So you, you can find me if you search that as well.
0: I love it. I love your Instagram. I love how open you are. I love following along well, with it. I think... Oh,
2: All I ever saw was people who were like, there's a lot of kind of super positive, which is great and lovely, but every now and again, you just want to see that other people set fire to their beds, which I did do because I was having a bad day and (laughs) threw threw a match at it accidentally, I promise. But you know, sometimes you just want to see that other people are just, yeah, Yeah, doing as lovely as you are.
0: And you're going to be doing, not setting fire to your bed, but you're going to be doing a session for Shine.
2: I am, yes. yeah. Yes. So tell um, tell us so, really quickly,
0: what kind of session is it going to be?
2: 30 26th of May, it's just going to be a short 30 minute session. All of my sessions. I always aim to have everybody come out feeling better than they did when they went in. That's the plan. So we're just going to do a short uh, session, which should leave you feeling strong. It'll be some body weight, strength things, and then we're going to finish with a little bit of breathing, meditation, calm you down leave you feeling all motivated for the rest of the day
0: amazing i can't wait to come along to that lovely thank you so much to both of you this has been a fabulous conversation and thank you to the amazing radio facilities for sponsoring our podcast and to all of you for listening and if there's something because exercise has so many different components if you're like oh i really wish that you had talked about that get in touch. Let us know. Find us at shinecancersupport.org. Till next time. Bye.
2: Not your grandma's
0: cancer show.